episode of you can't be serious there's a contraction in the title and i almost said cannot and that's not correct um i i am one of your trio of hosts joshua tracy i'm joined as always by matt tory mitch patempa guys hey guys hey hey everybody how's it going and uh so we we'd had a topic yeah we had kind of talked about uh last week before um hopping on to record this week but we have since begun chit-chatting um and have kind of gone down a rabbit hole conversation that has led us to delaying this the beginning of this recording session by about 15 minutes um so we figured fuck it we'll just kind of start with this since we're having a good talk about it and uh it is uh it's december 10th uh, of 2020 right now you'll be hearing this a day later but christmas is around the corner the day this comes out will be two weeks from Christmas, and the day this comes out will be the first day slash second night of Hanukkah, so we are really in the throes of the holiday season, and uh, we were talking about gift-getting and the processes that we each go through for that, and uh, I guess we'll just keep kind of talking about that since that's where we were in our actual conversation uh, before we... <laughs> before we broke it up to do this this intro to the show so does it feel like it's this late in the holiday season for you absolutely not absolutely and that's not. what we were talking about so speak to that well it so my my thing that that i was saying right before we had started this recording was that like it, it it feels odd to not have these defining markers on the calendar that you can kind of divvy up the months and seasons with you know thanksgiving was one thing i know i personally was busy on thanksgiving i did all the cooking myself for just me and my girlfriend and and we didn't do anything but we were occupied but like hanukkah even though it's a very minor jewish holiday another thing that we had talked about prior um my grandparents throw a huge hanukkah party every year you know it, it is literally bigger than our thanksgiving like the 30 some odd people show up to this thing we do a white elephant um we we have a huge dinner that gets catered like it, it it's it's a, it's a really big gathering and at this point in the year, like that would always takes place on the first Sunday of Hanukkah. So that would be this upcoming weekend that we'd be doing it. So I would have a, a black, a white elephant gift all set. You know, Kel, my girlfriend would have her white elephant gift set. We'd be, uh, you know, probably getting a dessert together to bring along to or something like, uh, like that. And uh, no, nothing. You know, this this upcoming Sunday will be Sunday. And that that's weird. And it's the same thing with upcoming Christmas. Like it's, I forgot it was Christmas while I was trying to plan out my month. Yeah. It's just going to be kind of another day. All of the, all of the little things that go between the holidays, right? Because obviously <clears throat> Thanksgiving, like whether or not you did something big, which you shouldn't have uh, did something small or didn't really do anything at all. It was still a day, right? It was still like a, uh, a like a marker, like a uh, time has passed. Right. Um, but all those little kind of in between like personal little like milestones or checkpoints that you go through throughout the holiday season, uh, they're kind of, they're gone. And I think it's, be they've, uh, they've become more vibrant now that they've been taken away from us. Oh, so I think 
maybe we haven't thought about it in the same light that we're thinking about it right now. We don't have the white elephant party. We don't have um, the holiday or the, the Christmas uh, party in the office. For me, it was, I had a gift exchange amongst my friends that just hasn't materialized this year at all because there's not really an opportunity for us to get together. So it's, it's the, it's the kind of differences that has of this year that's kind of made us lose track of time a little bit with how close we are to Christmas. But despite all of that, what really spurred this conversation for me is Josh is still on it. He still has all of his, his Hanukkah presents, his Christmas presents are wrapped under the tree as he speaks. That's unbelievable to me. Oh, yeah. And they, they've been there for like a week and a half, two weeks. What? See, the, yeah. see that's crazy. That's crazy. So, so, so my, my rebuttal to, to your, your comment that, well, it doesn't really feel like there's a lot of milestones left, you know, going on in December. That's because you did all the milestones in November. <laughs> you did them all. You did them all too soon. <laughs> no, no, no. If you I, had, if, if you had waited, you, if you had waited like me to start your Christmas shopping until today, you would still have plenty of milestones to go. No, what I would have is less <laughs> money. <laughs> so you're saying you got deals from buying early on. You say this is all just deal driven. It's not like an urge to get it done. You just wanted to. Uh, oh no! It, it it is a it is a strong combination of the two. Part of it is that I, I budget for this time of year very fastidiously over the course of the year, and then hate actually having to spend all of the money I spend on Christmas and Hanukkah gifts. So I just do it in one gigantic burst so that I can just deal with the repercussions of it later and move on before the new year. Um, and part of it is that, yeah, like I got some discounts. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still, that's, I'm, I'm like Matt, I'm here. I'm still scrambling to get presents. I don't know. Now, do you live in a, an apartment building, Josh? Or do you live yes. in like a... Okay. Well, so, so I, I technically live in a condo development, but we've right. rent out the condo from the person who owns it. And I... So it, it's it's a condominium, but it is an apartment. Do you, have, do you have a common space for your packages with your neighbors? No. Now, I tell you how crazy... My foyer has looked in our in my apartment building these past couple days. Crazy amounts of packages are being sent right now. Absolutely astonishing. I don't know if now I have the good fortune to live in the same building as Matt. Matt, have you noticed an increase in packages that have been being sent to the the building? It's I didn't realize that this many people shopped online. I should have because everybody's telling me about it. But man, it was just one of those moments where I just got to. Oh, that and it's like the only option this year. Well, that's what I was going to say is, I mean, where else are you going to shop? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad all these people are shopping online and not shopping in person. <laughs> be for, sure. For, sure. for sure, for sure, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it's crazy. And so like I, I, um, uh, so I'm actually really torn being the procrastinator that I am. The, the convenience of Amazon, right? Weighing the convenience of Amazon with the, the, does Amazon need more money? Like, you know, versus, you know, trying to shop locally. And like, it's something I always talk about wanting to do. And it is like, you know, the right thing to do and like the good thing to do, whatever, if you can, but so uh, hard, but, um, like, 
Especially so when when fun. you wait until what's today? Today is December tenth. Tenth, yeah, <laughs> fifteen days outside of Christmas. That's so tough to do, and so I'm Maybe not sure. I'm not sure what I'm looking for from this. Maybe just some some validation well, that <laughs> here 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 is how I will validate you, my friend. It's not our fault. All right, Amazon being what it is today, while we all use it. It's not our fault, you know. That that is that is part of the flaw in the system that is unfettered capitalism. But I look, man, you got to do what's right by you. If if it's you got to you got to weigh the convenience versus the morality of something. Like I try, if there's something I know I can get and get at a good deal and and good quality. That's not on Amazon. I will get it not on Amazon. But like, uh, I just placed an order on Amazon fucking yesterday for uh, batteries and tums. Like, where <laughs> else am I fucking getting that online? Yeah. In the next day, for like, yeah. like I'm not gonna go find the the batteries and tums boutique across the way. That because for one thing, that shit don't exist, and for another thing. I don't care to find it. Um, but if I'm looking for like a nice sweater, if I'm looking for a good record shop, if I'm looking for a new place that sells hats, like whatever, I'll do that research, but I'm not trying to figure out where to get the best deal that also delivers on both Tums and whatever type of weird battery I needed that I didn't feel like I could get it locally. So my question to you then, Josh, is, is the line that you draw between what should be bought on Amazon versus what should be bought locally is a line that's dependent on the type of item that it is. So for you, you say, oh, it's batteries. I can get batteries anywhere. I, I, I don't need to get them locally. But whereas if it's a nice sweater or it's a nice hat, that's, the, it, that's, that's articles of clothing. I'm just looking to see if you have a little, because I don't know how I would make that distinction. I think it's admirable to try to, to, try I, to no, find I think this is balance. a great question. And the way I think about it is what do I need this for and what is going to be accomplished? Like, I'll put it this way. I've got a lot of clothes that I've accumulated over specifically the past few years. I know that I don't need clothes to survive right now. I'm not, I'm not clothes poor. So if I'm going to get a piece of clothing, I'm going to get it from a place that I like. You know, and I'm going to, and by that, I mean, I'm going to get it from a store that is, um, small that represents something that I like that they represent that is run by a, a, a person that I think does cool work that I want to see more of their artwork of. So given where we live, a lot of those shops that I end up getting close from recently have been out of based out of New York city. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, there's some part of that shop or those shops that will resonate with me because I don't need you know, a 10 pack of Hanes shirts right now. Cause I don't, there's not 10, there's not a hole in my closet built for 10 generic colored shirts. There's nothing wrong with, with buying Hanes shirts. If like you need shirts, I don't need shirts. And if I'm getting a gift for somebody, no one wants to get a pack as a, as a nice gift of 10 Hanes shirts. If I'm going to get a gift for somebody, I'm going to try to find, even if it's just some low person off of Etsy that's going to take them two goddamn months to send it over. I'll do my due diligence, find a shop that does something cool, and do it that way. I do the same thing with food. 
I try to get all my food from like boutique shops and shit because while I go to my local shop, right, for most things, and they look try to locally source a lot of stuff too. I know that if I'm trying to get some really specific shout out to my Jews, if I'm trying to get like halva, I'm gonna I'm gonna I have I I have a halva shop just for when I want to get halva. You know, <laughs> have what you I mean? ever had have you ever had halva, Matt? It's delicious. I, I haven't. I, I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Josh, why don't you t- can you describe to me halva, please? Um, do you know what tahini is? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm asking Matt. I'm drawing a blank here. All right. All right. You know what sesame seeds are? Yeah, I know what sesame seeds are. <laughs> all right. So sesame seeds as a paste is called tahini. Okay. And, and then okay. halva is like... I almost want to say it's like t- tahini cheesecake. Um, what? <laughs> so it's yeah, imagine right. like how do you how do you spell this? Halva, H A L V A. All right, okay, that's I could have figured that out. Um, huh? That's not what I thought you were talking about. I have no like I don't even know what that would taste like. What does it taste like? Is it sweet? Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a dessert. You you can get like savory versions of it, but yeah, it's a dessert. Huh. Really good. It's really really good. I'm just that you that's something that I think a lot of people have tried, and I appreciate that you have a one specific shop for halva. Right? Yeah. Middle Eastern Middle Eastern dish. That's awesome. Really really awesome. And you want you know, you, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's the way I try to approach it. Because, like, if you're trying to get, again, just to use batteries as an example, you're not going to get, like, boutique batteries. And if you could, why would you want that? You know? It's a necessity. It's, it's, it's a necessity, and it's something that you're not going to get. It's like, yes, buying batteries from, like, a local hardware store would help out that hardware store. But that money's still going to go to Energizer or whatever. You know, it, yeah. The, the 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 utility there is very marginal but if you're if you're looking for a sweater and you and you bought from like peralta project out of washington heights or bronx band out of out of the bronx like not only are you you know taking your money away from um again hanes or fucking uh, other gap or whatever big clothing brand from there you're also helping out the 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 physical place that small business independently, as well as their creative process, and going to get something that's ultimately a little bit more unique, a little bit more individual, and a little bit more meaningful. And if I can do that, I'll try to do that. And if I can't, I'll go to Amazon. I like that. I really like that explanation. That's really, really cool. Yeah, that that makes it... I like, I like that, that way of thinking, because it makes it less... Just uh, don't shop on Amazon. Yeah, but how do I do that? Right. And it, it allows for me to have flexibility as somebody who receives that advice. Like my mm-hmm. definition of that might be a little bit different than yours. Because I just, I, getting a, a, I don't have room for a 10-pack of Hanes t-shirts in my closet either. But I, at the same time, though, I could see somebody that might, whose closet might look different than mine, that might enjoy that. Like, what if they all they wear is white T-shirts and they just need 10 of them a year and then they donate the 10 at the end of the year and they just get a fresh new pack? I also kind of see a need for that, too. 
but that's oh, the yeah. way, you know, but that's the way that you look at it. But maybe maybe they might go and buy their Hanes at or their batteries at that local hardware store and make it up that way. I don't know. I just think it's it allows us to really have our own unique approach on what we what we, we what we should be putting into Amazon and, and what we're not putting into Amazon. And uh, it's it's just a balance of local and a balance of big business. And for you particularly, clothing is somewhere where it's like, dude, I'm passionate about that. I want to put all the money that I like, the results of that money. I like those those brands, those particular brands. It just made sense to me, dude. I'm rambling right now because you got me thinking I haven't thought about that in a long way. So I appreciate that. I'm going to meditate. I want to come back to that because I kind of want to round the conversation over to because I actually did prepare a little bit for the discussion. I was excited to see what you you two were able to come up with. It was um, what makes a, a song a good song, right, Josh? Yeah. And, and what what were your initial thoughts when you were asking that question? Well, so so I I think we all find the the boxes that we put genres in to be convenient. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with that. And speaking generally, using just the the box term, I'm not a huge like metal person, but I don't know where in specifically the series of things we would loosely use to define metal, the genre loses me. Because if we're talking, because like I like, you know, a lot of hard rock and what would be considered like early metal bands of like the 60s and 70s, you know, I like Black Sabbath, you know, um, but, and I, I, you know, because I just, I also just watched a documentary on the Stooges, well, specifically Iggy Pop. So I was thinking about the Stooges too. I like the Stooges. I like Iggy Pop. Um, I like distorted guitars. Uh, I am so I don't, but I don't know at what point along the road most metal songs kind of kind of lose me as 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 a listener, as a fan. And so I was wondering if you guys had any defining lines or or relatively speaking specific things you hear or want to hear in songs that either lose you or or, or capture you. So I totally get what you're saying. I I'm glad that you uh you you started with metal as the genre. Um because I think that's an example of where I so I like if you think about, you know, it it being like a spectrum right from from being, you know, having like soft rock on one end all the way through to like the 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 heaviest of of like, you know, whatever metal on the other end. Um I think I'm farther down on the spectrum where I like I like more metal music than you do. Um, but there is a point where like it loses me. Um, and like I, I it's tough for me to put my finger on as well because um, it's not. Uh, maybe it's something with like, is it vocally? Way, is it it's, vocally? It's, so so clear in a way like i will say that like i'm not a huge fan of like uh like screaming but i but so like i found a lot of instrumental metal bands that like play like the same music but like without vocals and like i like that so so I, it's not just the the vocals right that like but like at some point like maybe I don't know, it just becomes too it's something to do with the production of the music. It just sounds like 
too produced, right? Like I tend to like music that sounds more natural, right? Like like that 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 doesn't sound like overly uh like synthetic sounding. Okay. Does, that, does that make any sense, right? And so like that makes sense. Do you want something gen I think I think that's a universal. I think a lot of people want genuine music. I haven't heard somebody say I want something that's disingenuous, right? When it comes to music. Now, now so there's a difference though between I think like genuine right versus like natural because i think um again it's really not my cup of tea but like as far as electronic music goes right a lot of electronic music i i don't think i would go as far as saying all electronic music is like not genuine sounding because i feel like that's that's just too that's too wide that's too wide of a claim but I would say that it doesn't sound natural, right? It sounds like it sounds uh, uh, synthetic's the wrong word, but Does like sound forced to you. No, I, Josh, can you help me out? Do you you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm trying to say? Um, yes and no. I so I wouldn't use the term natural because there is nothing natural about the way an electric guitar sounds. <laughs> you're not encountering those screams in nature but well, so, I, I, I think hold on, i i think where i would put you though is because i i i've i've tried making like beats and shit on my computer it's fun love doing it but it's also very easy for it to sound weird when it's too on beat and I think that's what often loses me with electronic music is it's like, wow, all those 16th notes were exactly on beat, like startlingly on beat because it they it are it's on too, beat. It, too, it lines up with the grid too nicely. Right. And, you know, I remember listening to, um, uh, what's his fucking name? Um, the guy who sings you, you got a friend in me, Randy, Randy Newman, um, Randy. Not Randy Johnson. Dude, <laughs> I was going to say Randy Johnson. I was ready to say Randy Johnson. <laughs> You're not on the sports podcast today. <laughs> that man was too tall. Um, I love Randy Johnson, one of my favorite baseball players, for another conversation. Yeah, he's the man. Randy um, Newman, though. So Randy Newman was, because if anyone is unfamiliar with Randy Newman, he's like a solo piano player and singer. Like He, he doesn't usually have a band in a lot of his songs. It's just him. But now he, he was talking to... Um, you know the interviewer and, and uh, Mark Marin in the WTF podcast, and who also plays a lot by himself. And their conversation, in, in in small part, was about how you know Randy Newman will play with a band at some functions and f get his timing fucked up because he's not used to playing with a drummer, and mm -hmm. he's so he's not used to he's used to his natural rhythm eventually putting him off beat from from where he started the song, yeah. and. While you know you might look at that as being Randy Newman, you're a terrible musician, which is untrue. His music's phenomenal. Um, that's part of that, just being a human being. That I think it adds that little bit of heart to the music where those imperfections tend to be. Um, and that's something you will never get truly out of a lot of electronic music, only because it is so incredibly on the button with with its timing, which is to its benefit and its detriment depending on how you listen. And you know what? I actually think Josh that might be why you don't get down with metal either. Because a lot of modern metal, right, is the same it's very like 
on the grid. There isn't, there's no, they're not swinging anything. There's no like speeding up and slowing down. There's none of that. Like it's all very technical and it's all very on the grid. Um, and so there isn't a lot of room for like the music to breathe. Right. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's what I was trying to convey. Like when I said, what I said natural, but like just that, it, that, you know, the, that the music is able to breathe, right? Um, and is it because of the way the music's like actually physically produced? Because in a way, when you create a note on a synthesizer, you're simply just pressing a button. You know, you're not when you when you vibrate your lips inside the mouthpiece, or you take the pick to the string to actually make a physical movement. There's got to be something. Is that kind of what you're speaking towards when you're talking about it being so lined up perfectly? Is that it's there's something inhuman about the way the sound is actually just created? No, so like I, I don't mean about like the way the sound is created because to Josh's point, like the electric guitar is like a totally electronic thing, right? Like it's all like uh, it's still strings, it's still strings vibrating though, correct? But, but yeah, but the way the pickups work, right? There's an electromagnetic field that captures the how far the string is vibrating, it turns that into an electric signal, which is then you know, routed into a bunch of effects pedals into a big Marshall half stack and then out through these big speakers. Like it's not, it's not an acoustic guitar, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's manipulated. Yes. By technology, but however, when you trace it back to its original source though, can be stripped down to something being struck to create a vibration. I get um, like, so I'm, um, we're getting away from what I was trying to say though. So like what I, what I was trying to say though, is that like, the like there's examples right of of music that 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 breathes right but that is made with synthesizers right um like it, it, the recording process right like or the or not the recording process like the way that the the sound is made like the uh you know i don't think has has to do with the way that like the song as a whole necessarily sounds um, I think that has more to do with like, you know, whether or not you're like, you know, playing to a, you know, playing to like a click track and like sticking too closely to it, right? Or like, or 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 just sounding robotic, right? For me, a lot, yeah, I I think. For and me, so, like, I think yeah, to I, your yeah, go ahead. To your point, like, I think it's probably it's easier to sound robotic when you're playing something along the lines of a synthesizer that like doesn't require like if you know if if you know how to you know if you know which which keys to press right like that's 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 kind of all of it right that's how you play the instrument um versus having you know differences in how guitar players vibrato notes and how they fret notes and things like that and those little subtleties kind of coming through um but but I don't think like inherently that all music created with synthesizers sounds sterile or sound like that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I'm trying to like peel it back a little bit because sometimes I feel like when I heard that original argument, I that was the way that I left that conversation. I was like, is it it's not because of the physical thing, because there is electronic music that has some type of that we can consider music that resonates with us right that's ultimately what we're yeah. trying to we're trying that's, to think of yeah and so like a good example of this is so like like so Jimi hendrix i watched a video on uh 
I think it was it, it was like breaking down the beginning of uh, Little Wing and kind of like the time, like his the timing through like how he plays the intro. Um, and if you like line it up to like a click track, it's it's super off. Like it's not like he he speeds up and slows down like a bunch all throughout the first 16 or 32 bars or however long the section was. Um, and so like if you were if you were recording that song like in 2020, right, as just like a guy, right? Um, and it like, you know, sat down, plugged his guitar in and like kind of and used modern technology, he was running through pro tools and whatever and goes to like line it up to a click track like the the version that came out right the the click track lined up version of little wing would sound worse because it wouldn't have the uh like the the pauses and kind of like the the room to breathe that the version that you hear in the record does um and that's kind of what i was talking about in that uh, you don't get that uh, that space in in a lot of electronic music, and I think a similarity between that and a lot of modern metal music is that you also don't get a lot of that kind of ebb and flow of tempo and and things like that. A lot of it is very on the grid um, because it's very technical. You might be asking the wrong questions out of those types of music. And I think metal and electronic music are two vastly different genres that are listened to in completely different contexts. But for the simplicity, I'll speak more towards metal, heavy metal music um, that I've listened to more frequently. I like you two. I don't generally gravitate towards metal at all, particularly. I'm much more on the side of Josh, where I'd prefer to put on a Dylan record and listen to some folk and, and I'll be good the afternoon but there are times where i've found myself in situations where i've either been at concerts or at parties where i've heard really driven heavy metal music um i went to like a rob zombie concert the other the other year and that was pretty crazy but all these questions about ebb and flow and matching it up to the metronome i think is missing the point of what certain metal music is is asking we all listen to music for different reasons and different contexts. And I just think that the people that really gravitate towards metal music are just looking for a completely different emotion than what we're even trying to talk about in this conversation. They're looking for something that is gritty and driven and, and, you know, unpacking some real deep, dark feeling of rage or anger that, and I'm even kind of speaking for people. This is just what I saw in being there and experiencing the music. Have either of you, what was the last time you guys went to like a heavy metal like show and saw it performed in front of you? Uh, literally never. Uh, it's been a few years. You, um, you guys go and watch it be performed. I'm telling so, you. So no, it, so, it just, Mitch, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And like, I, I think, I think you're right. Um, and I think, that's like 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 we were just talking about why why we personally don't connect with the music, right? It's and because I, we're not we we're not asking the right questions for that music.
Well, here I I I like that point, Mitch, because I I agree the 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 timing thing was an interesting sub conversation, but not entirely the point. So let me let me ask this of Matt then. Um, where are you within your own head when you're listening to metal? And does that? And I know I again I know metal's a huge genre. We're using a lot of boxes here, but and what where is yeah. that place versus when you listen? to Wolfpack. Yeah, on it like I mean the the difference like I, I'm not sure that there's like really like an, an emotional difference or like a I mean sometimes there is sometimes there isn't. I'm not saying like I like I mean what I mean to say is it's not dependent on that. I think like when I li- when I want to listen to you know a band like uh like Intervals or something like that like it's I I I just want to hear like fast distorted guitar um and like that could be because i'm happy or because i'm sad or because like you know what i mean like it's not um versus like wanting to like get my funk on like then i'm gonna listen to something funky you know what i mean like it's i feel like it's a it's just like a separate musical taste, right? It's like, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, uh, you know, preferring, a, uh, I don't know, like preferring a lager to a stout, a Pilsner to an ale. It's merely what you're looking for out of the beer or out of the song. There are yeah. some, and there's some times where you just, you put on a tune and you want like you said, you want to funk out. Let's put on some Volpec. I just want yeah. to dance around the apartment. I yeah, want to hear and like, some good licks. I want to hear some that, that's really it, good at bass. And so, like in that context, you know, metal would be like the wrong choice, right? That's like you oh, know, if you, if you craved an IPA and got like this, like you know, really heavy lager, like you'd be like, well, this is not really what I wanted to drink right now. Like, I still do sometimes like. Sometimes it tastes okay, though. You know, yeah, yeah. Sometimes that is what I want. What but makes like, good? What do you think from the music? Now, don't you listen to music, Matt? What do you think makes good metal from bad metal? Because there is good metal and bad metal out well, there. Well, so so I was trying to I was trying to think about this as like just over all of the genres of music that I listen to, like why like there's there's certain songs, right, that I will continually come back to. Um mm-hmm. and others that I won't. And like the 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 you know, the the one thing I think that is like a a a, a constant through all of them, you know, whether it be a, a a three minute pop song, whether it be a thirteen minute long, you know, like ridiculous jam of a you know Pink Floyd song, whatever. Um, there's got to be some kind, some portion of it's right. There's got to be some kind of catchy, like catchy melody, right? Something that will like stick in your head, um, and like. A lot of times it's a it's a guitar lick. A lot of times, uh, you know, it's it, it, a lot Vocals. of like, um, yeah, it's stuff like that. But it, does, it doesn't have to be though. Sometimes it's sometimes it's it's the baseline. Sometimes oh, it's yeah. like sometimes it's like you know, there's just this really cool drum groove on the song that just like kind of like you know what I really like that. This makes the song just have that little that X factor. I'm not really sure how to best encapsulate all of you know like what i think makes like you know a good song versus a song that's like just kind of okay um but like for me that's like the one thing that like it's why i think i'm like such a sucker for pop songs 
um like i love a good pop song uh it's We're, we yeah i do too i mean it's i mean there's a they're a dime a dozen and there's a lot of bad ones out there right but when you get a good one um and it's just three and a half minutes of like a, a catchy melody right just like a it's tight like little groove popcorn. and it's just yeah it's like eating popcorn it's like eating popcorn that's a great it's a great analogy which is fine which is okay everybody needs yeah. some popcorn every once in a while yeah you don't need you know like a filet mignon with like you know all the you know let's put it this way you know if i go like a, a record that means a lot to me is dark side of the moon and you've known that for me a long time matt and anybody that knows me knows that that's my record that's the, the i've always listened to by uh, by by who dark side of the moon pink floyd okay <laughs> so when i put that on that's not a light task for me anymore yeah. that's not a oh i i got a couple minutes and i'm doing some things and let me just throw on a song no i'm putting that on and i'm thinking about it i'm going to stare at the cover and i'm going to reflect on things it's a, it's a bit of a meditation it's a bit of a time which is to the, to your point where I think being a sucker for pop songs, I think we are all sucker for pop songs. I think what what is it that makes that good pop song? It's a catchiness, right? Mm -hmm. I heard somebody on the internet say they have to be just the right amount of different. There's got to be a certain amount of relatability and there's got to be a certain amount of newness to the sound. It can't be too much all in one direction. You know what I'm saying? If there's something that's just completely new sounding, you're gonna, we, your your uh, first reaction is to show up. You got to be able to relate to it a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like just th th that, because I've listened to, uh, I've dipped my toes into the pool that is experimental music, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and where have you gone? The, the water's cold, man. The water is cold. Um, but, uh, I don't know, like, that's a separate conversation. We don't, we could talk about experimental music on a, a whole separate episode, but like, to listen to some before we talk about that crap, but just so define, like, you know, define, hold on, define experimental for me. I, I promise you won't go too far into, it. I'm just curious where that definition is for you. Well, I think the loose definition of it, right. Is like the stuff that it's kind of what Mitch was talking about how like if you're leaning too far to the one way or the other of of being too new and not like doing stuff that no one's done before right like i mean that's what experimental music that's what experimental is right and so it's just that in a musical context and so um like i've listened to captain beefheart right i've listened to uh two or three of his albums and like i don't know he's like the it's a big tough, figure man. in the he's a big figure in the experimental music community. Um and uh I mean Zappa, right? Zappa, like I mean your your guy. Right. Zappa. So I mean I'm so excited to talk about Zappa. So I mean, like but at the same time though, I mean there's a lot of stuff that Zappa did that was like more relatable than than or or yeah, I mean, if you if you listen, if you pop on apostrophe and you skip ahead to Uncle Remus, you'll understand that song. But if you if you start with the title track of "Don't Eat the Yellow Snow" or or, or skip over one to San Alfonso's "Pancake Breakfast," you might be a little bit confused. 
Yeah. Same thing. You know, if if you if you pop on uh, if you if, if you if you lower the needle on "Shake Your Booty," you know, "I've Been in You" is a pretty familiar sounding song, but Bobby Brown's a little weird. I see. I was gonna even say that Bobby Brown's one of his less weird songs. It's it's, it's it's. I think I think that's the whole point. That's the whole. Uh, yeah, point. yeah, yeah. And so, but so, like, I guess my point is that. Um, also, just real quick, I watched a Zappa documentary the other day. It just just came out. Um, apparently, he was like friends with Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix is actually on the cover art of "We're Only in It for the Money." I think I knew Wait, that. what. Yeah, he's, what, he's on the cover. Yeah, one, well, there's a couple different covers of "Rolling in It for the Money," so I just sent you one. Uh, second from the right. That's definitely mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix. Right? Oh, that's definitely Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, that's yeah. that's also uh, a, apparently I forget which Beatle it was between Paul or John, um, but so as you can see, this cover is clearly spoofing. Yeah, um, uh, Sergeant uh, Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Peppers. Oh, yeah. And I, I forget which Beatle said it. Um, in the documentary, but uh, apparently the Beatles said that Sgt. Pepper was their attempt at making a Frank Zappa album. Really? Uh, really? I, see, that's going to make me go back and re-listen to Sgt. Pepper's. See, I haven't, I have, I haven't listened I have to that heard, kind of concept before. I have heard that Sgt. Pepper's was the Beatles' attempt at replicating pet sounds. Wow. I don't get that at all. So I've heard that that Paul McCartney like was a huge fan of I think it was Paul. It might have been John. I think it was Paul though. Well, was a huge John fan Yoko of- actually played shows with Zappa after the Beatles had broken up. Uh, um, John and with and the Plastic Ono band used really? to play around Los Angeles with Frank Zappa. They had some of the concert footage in the documentary. Like like John Lennon was a was a fucking fan of Frank Zappa. Huh. great record I'm reading great record. about it. yeah i'm reading about it on wikipedia right now i'm trying to yes okay here so portions of Sar- portions of sergeant peppers reflects the beatles genre immersion in blues motown and other american popular musical traditions the author ian mcdonald writes that when reviewing their rivals recent work in Late 1966, the Beatles identified their most significant LP as the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, which Brian Wilson, the brand's leader, had created in response to the Beatles' Rubber Soul. So it went Rubber Soul, Pet Sounds, then Sgt. Peppers, in terms of all in response between bands. I had no idea that that exchange really existed. Cool stuff. Yeah, I I I choose to believe <laughs> that Sergeant Peppers was a response to freak out. But anyway. <laughs> uh, we digress. So, but we digress. Um so I want I want to take us in a harsh pivot. Sure. Yes. Give it away. So uh I know I've played the record for you before, Matt. But uh, the comedian H. John Benjamin has oh, has a jazz boy. record. Yes, uh, he does. And and oh, what's it actually called? <laughs> um, it's called something like "I Don't Play Jazz" or "I Should Have." It's called "I Should Have." Dot dot dot. Learn to play the piano. Um, and 
the the basic idea behind the joke is that H. John Benjamin does not play the piano, and he hired a jazz band to back him while he played the piano, um, and it's supposed to you know be a joke at the art form that is jazz music. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. It's, it's a great it's- album. Um, it, it, you you cannot be so far up your own ass to acknowledge that that's not as a great album. But at the same time, we listen to that and we recognize that it is making fun of jazz and is not jazz. But the bones of both are very similar. For one thing, the backing track in H. John Benjamin's record is an actual jazz group. And the sporadic nature of both the timing and the accidentals used by H. John Benjamin do have a place in jazz. Now, he doesn't execute it in the same way, obviously, that a seasoned jazz musician would, but there is that concept of be off time and play a little bit more atonally than well, the thing is, bebop would. You know yeah. what I mean? So, And he, I think he, that distinction, that being able to make those distinctions is akin to deciding what you do and don't like in music. They're not fully tangible but they are still present you lost me there at the end well say what you were going to say i was going to make a comment on the jazz album i was going to say that he, it, i mean it just sounds he's he he's playing jazz he's just hitting all the wrong notes that's all i was going to say <laughs> that's, that's all i wanted to interrupt you to say I think the whole thing is i think we know what the author's message was regardless we know what he was talking about i think if you would just put that on and like well i mean it it starts with like a a a skit with like aziz ansari so if you would just skip ahead to the jazz part in air quotes right the jazz part um (laughs) and put with no context right i i i wouldn't have got it at first yes yes you would have i i have not listened to this just for i mean Everybody, it's just for everybody. It's a, it's a great record, Mitch. I'm, I'm <laughs> going, to record. going to. You now. should put like, as soon as we're done recording this. You should put it on in your apartment and just enjoy it. I'll give you my live. I you can expect me to follow up with you guys in one week. What my thoughts are? I'm sure I'll enjoy it. It's it's fantastic. It sounds it, but it sounds. But what it, it sounds like is that the author, the the, the musician, whether he, I don't think his intention was to sound good. I, I'm not. I'm not expecting to hear something that sounds rhythmically pleasing, right? And would I be wrong to assume that? Well, you're going to recognize it as being jazz, but you're also going to recognize it as not being serious, like because for one thing, it's a comedy album. But there's also, again, despite the fact that on paper what he's doing is what you'd get from a guy like Thelonious Monk. It very clearly in practice is not what you would get from a guy like Thelonious Monk. They are <laughs> there are off uh, scale notes there that aren't in the key, but that's also what jazz musicians do in playing yeah. not in time. Yeah, and you're, they, you recognize but still, yeah, but there's a purpose to the way they're not playing it in time, right? And, I, and it's I, I I peel us back to that purpose part for me. Because I even think, I think it's really cool. I don't, I haven't listened to music with a comedic expectation before. 
Wait, you've never listened to Tom Lehrer? Uh, not, not like I, not like I guess I should have. Like I've never really seriously put on a song and been like, all right, I'm gonna listen to this song. Be- Actually, you know what? No, I listened to Flight of the Concords. Hey, oh, they're great. They're great. That's I know. So I'm wrong. I'm just wrong. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> just real quick, I've had I've had the 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 most confusing set of feelings because I keep singing to myself Hanukkah and Santa Monica. Um, but that makes me think of Christmas in LA. And I've just been oscillating back and forth between those two songs as they keep reminding me of each other. And I feel like I have not yet reached a stasis in where I'm at in the holidays. Um, but it's been an enjoyable <laughs> ride. <laughs> and so it's all about the music in terms of what part of the holidays we're in. The song also, just a shout out to Wolfpack for remaining to be one of the most Jewish bands alive because that was a deep cut mention at the, at the concert. Um, that only only us fellow Jews would can can appreciate truly for Mr. Katzman. <laughs> it's not Hanukkah in Santa Monica because that's already a song <laughs> by Tom Lehrer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that that was already a song. Yeah, it's a great song. Literally, I just thought it was a catchy rhyme. No, like that literally is a song that like my grandmother's choir <laughs> would sing at temple every Hanukkah. What? Yeah, Hanukkah and Santa Monica at, at your like at the actual synagogue itself. Yeah, every every year, my grandmother's choir would do Hanukkah at Santa Monica. That's fantastic. Would the rabbi be there? Would the rabbi be there? Oh yeah, Rabbi Cantor, the whole the whole nine. I'm spending Hanukkah in Santa Monica, wet lighting candles, wearing sandals at the sea. I'll spend Shavuos <laughs> in East St. Louis. <laughs> can I can I go to one of these functions in a like next year? Is that like so I could just like walk up and attend? Can you invite me to one of these things? It's entirely possible, I, it, and it's great because my grandmother's choir is headed up by this. Um, uh, actually, the cantor I think their cantor is from Eastern Europe, and their rabbi is from Italy, and so they oftentimes mix Ashkenazi and Sephardic. Uh, Jewish songs and Jewish um, and uh, uh, I don't know what the actual correct term is hymns or the way you sing the prayers um, which makes it super enjoyable um, which I love hearing because I get a lot of Ashkenazi shit. Now that I'm thinking about it I definitely have heard my grandma sing that Hanukkah and Santa Monica song. She's definitely made me sing that once or twice before so now that I'm like meditating on a little bit, it sounds pretty reasonable. But I would still enjoy to go see your grandma uh, perform in a non-COVID time. Uh, oh, it's wonderful! Monica in Santa Monica at synagogue. Just does it mm-hmm. seem that it, like it's like that's like a ritual? Like it's such a new song, right? I don't think you think they would sing some ancient song, but it's something that was released pretty recently, right? When was oh that song no, that song's from like the fifties. Well, that, well, that's recent in terms of oh, okay, right, right. history, right? In the history of Judaism, world. you are you are correct. The 1950s are just around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a relatively new Jew song. It's not like they, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got like a five thousand year tradition. Fifty years ain't shit. <laughs> it's just interesting that they would take up something so new. You know what I'm saying? I, have you ever thought about it that way before? Well, I think that's kind of one of the things that makes going to a lot of temple services fun because I remember, oh man, I remember back in high school, I went to a, a um, like 
Jewish youths musicians camp thing for a few a few days. It's like a three day, four day, like long weekend kind of thing where we would literally just like, you know, they had a, a few different cantors come in and then we would just like trade Jewish songs in different ways of doing the same songs. And then you'd bring back those new songs as well as those new versions of songs that you've been doing. And mm-hmm. you would do those at Temple um, just as a way of like keeping the community together. And so cool. um, yeah, and it's it's a super so like um there's a very, very famous Jewish musician who would do this, uh, Betty, Betty Friedman. Um, like her whole thing was, was like making songs that are either rooted in pre-existing Jewish prayers or that tell stories that are in the Bible, but, you know, putting them to very modern folksy sounds and then recording them and distributing them and having temples and shit, learn them. Um, and like that, that's like what she did. Um, wow. That's such yeah. a cool story. I, I'm just thinking about what it means for the community. That's got to be so strong for the community. Using music as a way of just kind of being able to give something to one another is like, I give you this version of the song and you bring it back to your group and we'll do the same for one another. That just seems like a really powerful experience for you to have. How old were you when you did that? Oh, um, 16? Okay, yeah. So like you're you're not mature, mature, but you're... Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're a middle teenager. You have mature enough, mature enough to get something. Yeah, uh, and it not, was you're not nine, ten. I, I have a very and I have a very distinct memory of the time because I, the woman who ran the, the the camp was this woman who is actually a friend of Debbie Friedman, um, who again it was this really big Jewish singer songwriter woman, um, and bet and Debbie Friedman had died like right before this camp started. And so it was a really big emphasis on doing a lot of her music and around the the central theme of her life's work, which was let's make fun songs for Jews, um, which was, uh, you know, the thesis for the this get together anyway, <laughs> really, really compounded it. Um, and it was like a nice little in, memori- in memoriam for, for her life as well as being like just a fun thing to do in White Plains over the weekend. Sure. Now, what, how has this impacted you in terms of your relationship to music as you've continued to uh, mature a little bit into your uh, mid-20s here? Well, I, I think that's one of the things that, that makes me infatuated with, with, with weird shit like Zappa or, or, or more modern shit like Sofian Stevens, as I think Matt and I have talked about previously, is because I, when it comes to music, the thing that I think is going to get you in every time is going to be, hey, does this music suck or is it good? And the first, you know, litmus test for it is it's got to be good. What's going to keep bringing you back is, all right, it's good music. What else? You know, and when you get guy, and that's not to say that every song needs this and every artist needs this. It is there's nothing wrong with popping on like a Sia song just because Sia makes really good music. There's nothing wrong with that. But what makes, I think, people so extra infatuated with some of the people that they are infatuated with isn't just the music. It's what is what else is here, you know? Zappa's got really weird lyrics and a very odd transformation between different parts to his songs, much the same way Sofian Stevens does. Part of the allure of Volpec is, well, Jesus, how the hell did these guys even get together? They're, how do they 
make it big like this, the the history of where their influences come from, the fact they find those guys and then play with those guys. Um, and that I feels very Jewish to me in where my musical education comes from, because that is really like what we did at that little camp thing that I went to, as well as what you do at a temple. Like we have to, cause really I remember being 16, 17 thinking to myself, all right, I have to now go play these songs for eight year olds at nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday. They better be good songs <laughs> because an eight year old. Yeah. Give a shit the fuck you're doing at 9am on Sunday. Yeah. That kid doesn't want to be there. So no. you better be playing good music. So playing old slow shit is never going to fly with them. My grandmother might like it. You know, my, my, my rabbi might like it. My, my cantor might like it. But if that eight year old doesn't like it, it's going to be a pretty rough four minutes. Well, I try to get through <laughs> whatever, you know, Moses song I'm doing right now. So, and so that, that kind of, that kind of go, like rounds out our conversation of, of, you know, there being just like different audiences, right. And having different expectations for like, for the music, right. If you're, if you were, you know, picking those songs, you know, for your grandmother, like there would be, you'd be picking different songs, right? Like they were, there's, uh, and so to say that like one is better than the other, like, well, they're just better, you know, in, in that context. Right. I, I think so. And that actually made me think of another question. If I can steal the spotlight for a moment and turn it on to you again, real quick, Matt. Sure, sure, yeah. Are there any Led Zeppelin songs you don't like? Yes. What? G- give me one. Going to California. Why don't you like it? I, I uh, honestly, at this point, it's become a bit of a like a knee jerk reaction. I just like I've told so many people that I don't like it that like it's just what I tell people that I that's like I don't like the song. Um, but it's it's not. I think it comes back to like, well, well, if you ask a different question of Matt, why do you like Led Zeppelin? Why do you listen to Led Zeppelin? Right. I would tell you that I like the, the, the hard driving electric guitar riffs, right? I like the big bombastic drumming style of John Bonham. Um, and, uh, and those are kind of like, you know, those are kind of the two big things, right? Um, neither of those things are in going to California. Neither of those things are are in Shook Me either. Or You Shook Me or whatever the hell that song is called off of Zeppelin 1. You Shook Me very much so has a great electric guitar solo in the beginning of it, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. I would I would say, though, that the vast majority of that song is a much slower, spacier song than, than what you would get out of, I think, stereotypical Led Zeppelin. Probably, but it's also farther down the list. Like, it's in the definitely the bottom half of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. You're, you're right. Um, but at the bottom of that list is going to california um i think because i think for a couple of reasons i think because it's like a really popular led zeppelin song like it's a really popular soft led zeppelin song right really i don't even know this song really <laughs> yeah what album is it off of four wow yeah i cannot think of it yeah it's 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 the reason why i'm like i i i say that like i like led zeppelin 2 better than zeppelin 4 but i these four is still like a better album right you know because it's it's four um but uh like i like so like the slow the slow song right on zeppelin 2 is thank you um i don't skip thank you i don't skip that song i i listen to it i listen to the whole album you know straight through when i'm listening to led zeppelin 4 i will skip 
going to California. It just, I, you know, I, I don't know. By by using that as my litmus test, I, that I, I like that song less. So, you know. There's not a lot of Led Zeppelin songs that I will skip, and that is one of them. See, I also find that interesting because I skip songs constantly when I listen to bands I like. Really? Yeah. Like, like I had on, a, I, I was listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire's greatest hits in the car the other day coming home, and I was skipping all over that fucking album. I you know, got to the point where I'm going through the album a second time, listening to some of the songs I skipped, and then skipping some songs a second time. Well, so I mean, that also is those are slightly different bands. Like, I bet you wouldn't you wouldn't be skipping through a Pink Floyd album, right? Like, if you put on Animals, right? You're not gonna skip through Animals. Like, you're gonna listen to the Animals. No, but at the same time, I wouldn't equate listening to a Pink Floyd album with listening to a Led Zeppelin album either, because Pink Floyd does their albums in a very specific manner. Sure. No. So I I'm not trying to say that Led Zeppelin like their their albums are, are but I think Led Zeppelin albums are more Pink Floyd esque than Earth Wind and Fire esque. No. Oh no. That, that well, that's fair to say, just because they're two different genres. Oh, that's that's not even what I mean. I, I don't even mean I don't even mean like I mean like just the way that they're structured. Like I like. Did Led Zeppelin was Led Zeppelin a collection of singles or was Led Zeppelin intending for their music to be listened to from front Zeppelin, to back? Zeppelin didn't didn't release singles. Also, well, that's yeah. well, you know, well, that's what did they intend us on listening to one song at a time? Because Zeppelin was a little bit more of not that they didn't release singles, but they were more. I guess both bands were on the radio back then. You know, I, real quick. I just want to say, I, I type, I, I'm curious about this whole release singles thing. So I was about to type in, did Led Zeppelin release singles? And the, the first three things that came up on Google is, did Led Zeppelin steal songs? Never heard that rumor. Did Led Zeppelin <laughs> steal the song Stairway to Heaven? Which would be uh -huh. a hilarious coincidence if they did. And the third one is, did Led Zeppelin die? <laughs> did, <laughs> did Led Zeppelin die? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh that's funny um but uh i think that goes back to but i think that i you make a point though matt you don't listen to a pink floyd you don't just listen to part of animals you don't just pick it up and put it on but is the same but is the same the case for um a zeppelin songs do you just randomly go on and put on heartbreaker i so i won't me as a like I, when i listen to led zeppelin i'll listen to led zeppelin 2 or i'll listen to houses of the holy like like in my head those songs just go together like i, I maybe maybe that's maybe that's because i listen to so much led zeppelin like that like but that's just kind of like how i've always listened to them you know what i mean mm -hmm. and so like it would feel it would feel weird if I was like listening to Heartbreaker and then uh like Stairway to Heaven came on next. Like that would be weird to me. Would it be weirder if another band came on? A completely different sound? Uh I mean that would like when I like my point like when I hear the end of Heart like Heartbreaker goes into Love and Live and Love and Made. Like in my head, that's the next song I want to hear. Is, is that the way they wrote it? 
Uh, so actually, so it's funny that you said hard. So I actually think that 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 is like it, it like when you hear it on the radio, they play them back to back. But why even make the distinction in song? Why not just make it one song? Then? Two different parts. You know what I'm saying? And Led Zeppelin, they love long. Not that they love long songs, but they're no stranger to long cuts. No, but I think they were. I think they just were two different songs. They, I mean, if you listen to them, they're different. They're different. You know what I mean? So, like, I think they just wrote them differently, and were like, they just kind of bled into each other. That they bleed into. So the bleeding into one another for you doesn't conflate them into being one song. Well, because it's not a. It's it's like a. There's a stop. Uh, uh, like there's a hit, like a. Uh, you know, in Heartbreaker, mm -hmm. and then like the very next beat is just this first beat of the next song like there isn't like a it's not like it fades into it you know okay what I mean? right like it, right 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 yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of like we will rock you and we are the champions right oh like, yeah yes they don't bleed into each other but they go together <laughs> you know what I mean? you, like now that is i a thousand percent agree with you there if i just hear one of those songs out of context that's so strange right like it just it, like I'm sure it's happened, right? And like it wasn't like, oh my God, what's going on? But like it's not what your ear wants. Like your ear is like expecting, right? Like it, we are the champions when you get done with We Will Rock You. And if it doesn't, it's like it 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 takes you a second. Mine right? mine does not. I, I expect fat bottom girls next. What? Really? Really? I'm pretty sure didn't those two albums didn't those two songs back to back on the album? That's not the way the radio played it. I'll tell you that. No right. idea. No idea. No idea. Uh, let me see. Hold on. This, is this? Uh... So they were issued together on a single. And then they came off the album News of the World. Let's look at the track listing for News of the World. No, we will rock you. Then we are the champions. Why do I think Fat Bottom Girls next? I was going to say, man, there's no way those songs aren't back to back. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah. Well, I don't know why in my head it goes like that then. Huh. You guys ever have memories of like your first playlist you had on your first MP3 player, whether it was an iPod or you know, there was so many of them. A Zoom. Zoom. What other ones? Oh, hold on. I, before we before we go into that, because I do I that I do want to touch on that. I like that you had to specify MP3 players because, Mitchell, what was your first MP3 player? I can't even remember the name of my first MP3 player. It had three buttons on it. It was a play and the pause button were the ones, and then it had back and forth. It was like maybe about the size of a lighter. Didn't you have a? Didn't you have a? Didn't you have a Zune? I had a Zune at one point in time. Yes, I liked my Zune. My Zune was cool. It was better than your iPod. <laughs> Like that's ridiculous. That's that's an absurd thing to think. That's an absurd thing to think. That's okay. Um, it's all right. Did am I the only zoo? I'm sure I'm the only zoo owner. <laughs> Do you still have it? I wish. Yeah. I wish. Maybe my mom has it somewhere. I don't. I I still have my iPod. Same. Yeah. It still works. Use it. I use it every time I get in the car. Um, How old is your you, you, Yeah, you you do keep yours in your car. Yeah, because I don't have I've, I don't have Spotify. I have two iPods. I so I have two iPods. The one I got in fourth grade. So I got that. Uh, what in two thousand three, two thousand four? So it's old. That one I'm not sure if it works. The screen is cracked. 
and I haven't plugged it in in fucking years. I don't even know if I have a cable for it. Um, Did you? So, but when you guys first got when you first got your first device and you got your first like let's say a hundred tracks, right? Yeah. Were you first? Did you was it albums at a time or was it singles? Like, did you get like a little so, like a little bit from here, a little bit from there? So when I first loaded up my iPod, it was all albums because it was just CDs that my dad had. Like, from your I didn't, okay. was yeah, same here. Yeah. And then when I first started, like when I first started getting like downloading music, right? I was like buying stuff on the iTunes store. Um, and like I wasn't buying full albums then because I wasn't fucking made of money. So those were singles. Um, mm -hmm. But then it became just like I was just downloading like you're just downloading stuff illegally off the Internet, like just all kinds of fucking, you know. And so it just became a spattering of songs. Um, but for a while and like a big chunk of my library on my iPod was albums. Like I want to say probably. I don't know, like seven eight gigabytes of That's music so was interesting just, yeah so for me i didn't get the full album collection till a couple years after i had there be my zune or whatever my mp3 player was before that mm -hmm. and there are certain songs because i didn't buy full albums i just had certain songs there are certain songs from completely different artists that i associate with one another only because they, they were right back, back. and so, and i question how much of that is relevant when you hear whole lot of love and heartbreaker in conjunction with one another? Like what, if, think, it's, what if it's just because you've just heard them together the entire time? That, and that's what I mean. Like, I think, I think that's probably a very fair point that like I, because I just happened, that's the context in which I've listened to a lot of Led Zeppelin for most of my life, that that's just what seems right. So so maybe maybe I and maybe I was like going too far by saying that like all of Led Zeppelin's music was meant to be listened to in album format, yada yada yada. Uh, but that's just how I listen to it. So you know, the album's making a comeback. We're not the only ones that listen to music and albums there, and I think it's becoming more so. Right, records are coming back into play. More turntables oh, sure. are being sold. Like you even said, you you yourself, Josh brought up when you talk about shopping locally. You like buying records, man. People weren't yeah. saying that ten years ago. I I'm I'm devout to a record shop based out of Chicago. Interesting. I stri strictly buy my records from Sugar Records out of Chicago. Hmm. Is it strictly new records? No, no, they sell a lot of new shit. How did you find them? Um, I was looking for Prince's debut album and um, or Prince's self-titled album. I think he actually has like a weird self-produced album that predates his self-titled track or album. Sure. Um, and that was a tough one to find that wasn't like way fucking overpriced. And Sugar had it, so I checked them out. Um, they were also shipping, which at, in the early stages of the pandemic, my my more local record shops were not. Um, they still, a lot of them still aren't, which is fucking dumb. Uh, but here we are. And, uh, the people at sugar seem really cool. So yeah, I look into them. Yeah. Yeah. They got, they got a ton of new releases. They also have a ton of exclusive releases. So they got a lot of like cool color waves that like, aren't, you're not going to find out of the shops cause they're sugar exclusives. Oh, wow. uh, that's that sounds cool. I would like to check them out. We should, uh, we should provide our listeners with the information of that 
of that record shop. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll put it in the in the description of this episode. Um, that's Sugar S H U G A. Um, their website looks like it was made in 1998 and then never touched. But I promise you, it's a reliable joint. Good. Cool. I, I, I almost like. I think that's part of their look. It should look like it's from Windows 98, should it not? Yeah, they're a record shop. They're not a tech company. <laughs> this is true, man. This is true. This is part of the aesthetic. This is part of why we like buying. And we're not even, and just so listeners beware, we are not paid sponsors of this record. I've never even heard of these guys prior to yeah, this conversation. If you, if you can't believe it, no one pays us to do this. I know it might be surprising, <laughs> but we are amateurs. Yeah, amateurs. Do this for free. And so you should, our opinions are definitely more valid because we are not getting paid to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that was a good thing that we're not being paid by them. Yeah. Yes. It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah it's a relief for them, truly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Do, do we, now, Matt, do you have a local record shop? I don't. I, I really don't. Um, I'm curious to, if, if that, how many people, I never even thought, to be quite honest, I didn't think that people really did that, Josh. Are there other people that are, have you, is there a community out there for that? Um, I don't, I don't really know, man. Like I, that's not to say I don't still buy records off of eBay whenever like sugar doesn't have something specific that I'm looking for, you know, like they don't have a huge Zappa collection. So I bought, I bought a lot of my Zappa shit just off of eBay, but, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of, you know, seeing shit on, like I follow them on Instagram and, you know, I like the idea that there's, I've interacted with them a little bit here and there. And I, I like the idea that um it's it's a joint it's part of a community i think music is very while it while it's for everybody it also has a very communal feel to it in a lot of ways and i think that if we're gonna um if i'm gonna participate in that physical old-fashioned literal actual vinyl i'd like to do that in a more standard way of when that was more of a thing and uh participate they, in a record do they press their own right. records here they press them. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't think that they do because even with their exclusive stuff, like I know they just had, um, I think they just had a Karunga Bin album come in, but it came in like they posted on their Instagram that it came in like a little bit dented because of the shipping carrier. So I'm sure they have their ship pressed elsewhere. Have a David Gilmore record. Yeah. Yes, I have. Ghosts is what it's called. Yes, I have ghosts. It's a single. I didn't know David Gilmore came with a single. Did you, Matt? Yeah, I, Mitch, I played it for you. Oh, that's right. You did play it for me. Oh, my God. I, Mitch, you were like the first guy I called and was <laughs> like, dude, David Gilmore just released a new single, and it's uh, his daughter. daughter. Yeah, you played daughter, it right? too. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, it's a good song. It's a good song. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It sounded like Gilmore. Yeah. I mean, it. it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the guitar solo at a time, but uh, no. I mean, it, it's, it's David Gilmore. And if that guy, if that band didn't have that kind of relationship that they have now, and it was a little bit rosier when it comes to their musical relations, man, they could still play. So what you're saying is if that band didn't have Roger Waters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Without saying that, yes, I was saying that. Yes. And I, and, and them being my favorite bands, it, it, it really, it kind of, upsets me a little bit more than I think it does the average person. How much ego can get yeah, in the way of something. You know, dude, it's ego. When ego gets in the way of art, you have a disaster. 
there was no ego on Dark Side. That was just every four men trying to write a good record. And you could tell just from the way it sounds, top to bottom, every song. Just like Led Zeppelin 2 to you, Matt. I can't listen to that mm. album in any other way. And I think it's because mm. that's the way that, but for me, the reason why I listen to that way is because I'm convinced. And I could be wrong. Maybe I'm full of shit. I'm I'm convinced that they wanted us to listen to us that way. They wanted Floyd said, I'm gonna make a record that you need to listen to 42 minutes at a time. You can't take that three minute popcorn song and get what you want and then put it back on the shelf. No, they put time into it and they're gonna make the listener put time into it. They literally put time into it. Yeah, they literally put time yeah. right there in the middle of it. <laughs> Track number three, I believe. Yeah. That sounds right. Speak to me, breathe. Uh, I'm almost like 99% sure it's track yeah. three. All right, I think we are. I think we are collectively, officially rambling at this point. Collective ramble. Yes. Yeah. So I All think right. it's a good time to wrap it up, Josh. So if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at YCBS Pod. That's YCBS Pod. Um, also hit us up on Gmail at ycbspod at gmail.com. Um, I've been your host, Matt Tory, And thanks for listening. Take care, guys. Bye, everybody. <laughs>